0: Welcome to the Uncomfortable Truth Podcast, hosted by the rock star of consulting, Alan Weiss. Be prepared to have your beliefs challenged and your behaviors questioned. To the Uncomfortable Truth, this episode is called First Impressions. Went to my doctor the other day, I get a semi-annual checkup and the doctor walked into the room and he said to me, well, you must be fine, you look really good. And I said, how many years of medical school did it take for that kind of diagnosis? He said, no, you look healthy. I'm sure you are. And I remember, many years ago, I had been going to a really quack doctor. This guy was terrible. He was referred to me, I, it's just a mess, and he told me I had bladder cancer. And, uh, It worried me, and he had me take all kinds of tests, and I finally went back to the doctor who recommended me to him, who had been my personal physician, and I said, you got to get me somebody else. This guy's scaring the bejesus out of me, and that doctor said, well, you're not sick. You don't have cancer. I said, well, how do you know? He said, you don't look sick, and I find increasingly that medical people use your appearance and your vitality and your energy to tell whether or not there's something really wrong with you or not. And this applies to so many parts of our lives, not just our health and our well-being. For example, when I buy cars and I go to an auto dealership, I don't really care so much about looking around the showroom, I look around the service area. And the service areas of most excellent dealers are, are places where you can eat off the floor. They are meticulous, there's nothing lying around, there are no pools of oil or puddles of water, all the tools are put back in place. I find that a really great indication of just how good the place is. When you go on an airplane, I find that as the cleanliness of the cabin and the cleanliness of the lavatory will tell you all kinds of things about that plane and about the company and about the crew. First glance, you can tell pretty much right away. I'm sure you've had the experience The same thing with a hotel you go to for the first time, and you look at the lobby and you get in the elevators. I mean, some Marriott's, for example, back in the day when I used to stay at them, were wonderful. They were kept as clean and as sparkling and as sanitary as higher-end hotels, but some of them were dreadful, and they were like dive bars. I remember getting in one uh, when I arrived pretty late at night, and there was a, a couple of beer bottles on the elevator. Now, forget about the slobs who put them there. The fact is the hotel should be checking for these things and cleaning up. The same about someone's home. You know, when people visit your home, they take a look at the property. They take a look at the approach. They take a look at the inside of it. They can't help but do this. We all do that. I remember a special church dinner. People had wanted an auction, and the priest had agreed to cook for this church dinner, and the priest was a superb cook. And when the the, uh, six guests who arrived uh, for the dinner sat down, the very expensive wine uh, that was provided for the dinner, not by the people hosting it, was poured into jelly glasses. They They didn't have wine glasses, and they didn't even bother to rent wine glasses. They poured this wine into jelly glasses. So this applies all over the place. You know, if you look at all these ubiquitous trucks that the gardeners use with all their equipment in the back and the mowers and the clippers and all this kind of stuff. Some of these people look like you know the, the stuff is gonna fall out of the wagon, fall out of the trailer, and you, you wonder how it will start again. But some of it is immaculate. It's cleaned after every use, they're put back carefully, there's a, a storage pattern to it and so forth. My father and y- uh, My father-in-law used to tell me that the people who are best and smartest are the people who take care of their tools, he would tell me. And he would put RD-40 on blades of things after every use and so forth. When I meet people, professionally or personally, I can't help but watch and consider and digest first impressions. Some of it is language. Are people saying, you know, between you and I? Are people talking in a way that they use adjectives uh, which are profanities, which are obscenities, because they can't speak with normal words, even in spite of the fact they have no idea about the people they're speaking to whom they've just met and what might be offensive. I look at people's attire. And it's interesting to me that uh, when I hold meetings with peers in the room, that is people who are peers of each other, consultants or speakers or coaches or whatever, some of them are dressed in a very, very polished manner. They look great, they could be at a client, The women have dresses and heels on, the men have jackets on, and their hair is combed and their shoes are shined. But some of them look like they just rolled out of bed and they're actually wearing pajamas. And the fact is, when you're in public and when you're with others, you need to have a a good and best impression, no matter what, it's not about comfort. I watch people's attention and focus. Do they listen or do they just talk? Do they stop a conversation and go talk to someone else because they're not the center of attention? Are they really interested in what's going on around them? I watch their table manners. Are they using their, f- their knife like it's a dagger and st- st- stabbing the meat and using their fork to pull it apart? Right now, unfortunately, and not surprisingly, about half the people I see in restaurants don't know how to use cutlery. They don't know how to use their silverware, and they're not much better than cave people. Do people have a sense of humor? Do they laugh? I've taken groups to really, really funny Broadway plays where, you know, of, of 20 people, 18 were uproarious, but two people weren't laughing. You have to have a sense of humor. That has to be the impression you give to people. You can laugh at yourself, and you can laugh at other things. And what are their emotions like? Do they deal with them successfully? Can they hold them in check? Can they stop screaming about their own agendas, about politics or immigration or abortion or climate or whatever it is, and just have a decent conversation with new people, or do they have to zealously try to convert? Can they keep their emotions under control, or are they carried away by them? All of this applies to websites and collateral, and the kind of material you use to support yourself. Is it clear and crisp and clean, or does it go on and on and on? You know, one of the first impressions I get a lot of, of a lot of people is that they have lagaria; they are prolix which is a way of saying they are verbose as hell. Can people speak with brevity? Can they keep it short? Do people have good responsiveness? If I send you an email, do you respond within a day and hopefully quicker? If I leave you a voicemail message, do you respond in the same day? I've actually run into people who have told me that if they're coaching or with a client or working on a project, they don't read email, they don't look at phone messages, they can only focus on what they're doing. There's a word for that. It's called a learning disability. And what about comfort? First impressions of comfort. You know, you know it when you see it kind of thing, like the Supreme Court defines pornography. Long time ago, we were looking for our first luxury exotic car. My wife and I were in San Francisco, And in San Francisco, there's a street called Van Ness Street. And I don't know if it's still the case today, but Van Ness used to have every auto dealership that was extant. You could get a a Volkswagen Bug at the time, or you could get a Rolls Royce. Everything in between. So my wife and I walked up one side of the block and down the other, and we sat in cars. And we talked to the salespeople about the cars. And we were really undecided. And then we went into a Mercedes dealership, And my wife found a little car off in a corner. And we said, what is that? And the salesperson said, well, I don't know if you can afford that. He said, that's a 450 SLC. And this was the little Mercedes Roadster, the little sports car. And uh, it was $32,000. And this is in about 1978. And so my wife gets in the driver's seat and she looks up at me and she says, this is the car. And that was that, we ordered the car, it took about four or five months. When it actually came, it was in a different color from the color we had ordered. And the sales guy says, look over your shoulder, there are four people outside my office, if you don't want this car, they're gonna buy it right now. And so he took it. But she said to me, this is the car, when she sat in it, and what her first impression of the feel of it was. Finally, I'll point out to you about first impressions, that the first 90 seconds of anything, determine how closely people pay attention. Not whether they pay attention, but how closely they pay attention. In other words, if they're not going to pay close attention and not be enwrapped by what you're saying or doing, they're gonna check their email. They're gonna talk to a colleague. And so, if it's a speech, the first 90 seconds better be dynamic. If it's a book, the opening paragraphs better be fascinating. If it's a business meeting, you better start with an example or a demonstration or something that captures people's attention. The same with a video or a podcast. I hope this one caught your attention. I hope it's still catching your attention. And this might not be your first impression with me, but I try to treat every interaction as a first impression. I'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Uncomfortable Truth with Alan Weiss. For free access to Alan's newsletters, audio and video resources, and for information about his global events and coaching communities, please visit alanweiss.com. Thanks for listening. Keep the faith.